and the intellectuals responded by at least pretending to be relevant. Kahneman and Tversky didn't need to pretend, and their curiosity about how the mind works was directly relevant to important questions facing Israeli society. Their interest in the way people assess probabilities and their skepticism about human intuition, for instance, stemmed from their time in the Israeli military. Assigned to the Army Psychology Unit, fresh out of Hebrew University, Kahneman invented a personality test, still in use today, that successfully predicted who would make good officers. The key was to ignore the interviewer's intuition and focus on the actual past behavior of the young recruits, just as Bean would do years later with baseball. Similarly, Tversky's interest in how people assess probabilities was informed by his concerns about the Israeli government's estimates of the probability of war in the run-ups to the 1956 Sinai campaign, the 1967 Six-Day War, and the 1973 Yom Kippur War, all of which took the Israelis by some degree of surprise. While on reserve duty in the Golan Heights after the 1967 war, Lewis writes Tversky would gaze down upon Syrian soldiers and judge from their movements if they were planning to attack. After the Yom Kippur War, Kahneman and Tversky wondered why it had been so difficult for their government to return the Sinai, which Israel had seized in 1967, to Egypt, a gesture that might have removed Egypt's motivation to launch the surprise attack that began the war. Their answer was that the psychological pain of losing something one had acquired exceeded the pain of not having it in the first place. That thesis would become a major component of their seminal paper on what they called prospect theory. A second theme of Lewis's involves the intellectual and emotional intensity of the Kahneman-Tversky partnership. They completed each other's sentences, told each other's jokes, and critiqued each other's ideas. What they were like, in every way but sexually, was lovers, Lewis writes. Tversky's wife agreed. Their relationship was more intense than in a marriage. Their brilliance, combined with their stupendous work ethic, made them academic superstars in both Israel and the United States. But the two were accorded uneven recognition. Tversky was the initial recipient of the academic accolades, a snub that hurt Kahneman, who felt correctly that they were equal partners in generating their ideas. Ultimately, like many of the most creative partnerships, John Lennon and Paul McCartney, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, their collaboration could not survive the envy and rivalry, and it ended in the late 1980s. Although they remained friends right to the end of Tversky's days, Lewis reveals that as their collaboration neared its conclusion, Tversky never afforded Kahneman the respect Kahneman thought he was owed. Danny needed something from Amos, Lewis writes in one touching passage. He needed him to correct the perception that they were not equal partners, and he needed it because he suspected Amos shared that perception. For those of us who have consumed or applied Kahneman and Tversky's findings, including myself, this is a startling revelation. Outsiders have always assumed that the two were equal partners, but what really mattered, Lewis is saying, were the subjective perceptions of the collaborators themselves, especially that of Kahneman. Kahneman comes across as incredibly human, open, and vulnerable. One cannot help but root for him when the ultimate recognition came in the form of a Nobel Prize. Before it collapsed, this fruitful relationship managed to overturn many existing assumptions about how the mind works. The article they published on prospect theory in Econometrica in 1979, the most cited in the journal's history, 
launched a frontal assault on assumptions that had until then informed all economic analysis and much of political science. Kahneman and Tversky's experiments showed that, contrary to the thinking at the time, decisions made in the face of uncertainty are based less on calculations of the net expected value of an outcome and more on perceptions of gains and losses relative to a reference point. Furthermore, and again, contradicting the prevailing theories, they proved that losses matter more than gains. If people perceive themselves to be in the domain of gains, they tend to avoid taking risks, fearing that they will start losing. But when they find themselves in the domain of losses, they become more willing to take them, desperate to somehow reverse their fortunes. The practical implication of this finding is that when trying to understand a given choice, one cannot focus exclusively on the decision-maker's calculations of which alternative would maximize utility. It's also crucial to figure out his point of reference in order to determine whether he sees himself as operating in the domain.